on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. Okay, welcome to the Science of Light. Today I have joining me my friend, Jessica Olive. She, okay, so she's a friend of mine, but she also does all this cool stuff. Mainly, I guess your business is Twig and Bloom Goods, where you make the coolest tie-dyes ever. Oh, you're so Um, sweet. So I'm hoping today, yeah, I have a lot of them, and you also gifted a lot of them (laughs) to us for Ollie, which is why we have so many cool pictures of Ollie and cute tie-dyes. So I'm hoping today we'll dive into, um, we were just talking a minute ago about how both of us, like some people I interview, I can label them like, you are this thing, this career title, but both of us kind of see ourselves less with such a title, but it doesn't diminish all the awesome things you're doing. So today I'd like to get into a little bit of your background, your relationship to astrology, maybe your relationship to entrepreneurship. Um, yeah. So I guess a good place to start would be explaining however much you feel comfortable explaining um kind of how you arrived at this point in your life big question oh wow yeah so big my brain just (laughs) exploded (laughs) i mean i've thought about this i knew this was coming up and i have like a a chain of events that led to where i am now i don't really know if uh, i guess i can hit the high notes like the big stuff um because we were talking about, you know, you had certificates and labels, like different people you interview have different labels and how you introduce them. And then I was like, well, I'm kind of label-less in the sense of, you know, in your previous podcast, when you talk about um, our society and how we like certificates and we like labels. Right. I really don't have one. <laughs> you know, when it, I mean, I guess mom, like the roles is another way to describe yourself. Like I'm a right. stay-at-home mom. Yeah. I have two beautiful kids. Um, I'm a small business owner for myself and I'm, I'm an office manager for my husband's small business as well. And we homeschool, we're a homeschooling family pre pandemic, you know, the OGs, (laughs) not really though. Like before (laughs) he's only in first grade, so we really not that season, but (laughs) yeah, no, it's cool. I've seen you do it before and it's like super cool. Yeah. Um, which that's a whole nother topic we could hit on. There's so much to talk about within yeah. that, the pandemic. Yeah, um, but totally. So I guess I'll start it off from high school. Like I've always had good grades and graduated early. And then I went on to college. I did a few years of that while I was waiting tables. And um, after that, well, during that, actually, I was a CNA after waiting tables, I decided, you know, that's really rough. It's fast money, but it's not stable money. So I need to kind of head towards something different. I just can't do this forever. So then I got my certification as a CNA and I started doing that. I worked for a couple different companies and do it home health. So I was in people's houses, taking care of the people that needed help. And that ranged from, you know, uh, a young girl whose mother had Munchausen syndrome and she had a, a bag 
or, you know, several other things that she needed help with yeah. to a quadriplegic man who's like 250 pounds and you have to transfer him from wheelchair to bed. And um, I met a lot of different people and was in a lot of different homes and connected with all of them on different levels. Um, but it was just a, a really fulfilling like spiritually and emotionally, I guess it was fulfilling for me. Um, but it just wasn't getting it in the bills category. And I also kind of felt like right. when I would go with these patients to a doctor's appointments, the doctors didn't really care what I had to say. Like they didn't really listen to me, even though I was the most hands-on with the patient. And I had a lot of information to offer as far as their care. I thought, you know, to help that person. Totally. So I was like, well, if they're not listening to me now, maybe they'll listen to me when I'm a nurse. So I decided to go to nursing school and uh, I was there for a year and I did really well. And, you know, we I was living with my I had then gotten married by that point. I was living with my husband and we were trying to make ends meet um, and poor. <laughs> Basically, we didn't have Internet. So sometimes okay. my assignments would be late to submit for nursing school and you know, they're very strict and you have to have things in on time where it counts against oh, you. Yeah. Well, I had gotten my oh, final yeah. tick. I was late with a care plan and after a year and they booted me and that was it. Like that, there was really nothing I could, oh, I could do about it. And yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Like accepting that. Yeah. Um, it what felt yeah. like a huge failure after working through so much, you know, there's certain, classes you have to take and there's, you have to be like CPR certified. There's a lot of different things you have to do vaccinations and things that cost a bunch to get in. So I had invested a lot of time and energy into that. And then, um, to have that kind of unfold the way it did felt really out of my control. But at the same time, when I went to turn in my badge, because at that time, you know, we had been doing clinicals. So I had been in hospitals, I had been doing shifts, and all yeah. up in the charts of people and medications and shots, like I was in it, I experienced it. But when I went to turn in my badge as like the final closure, I guess, of that chapter, which at the time I didn't know it was because I was still trying to continue just because it was like a goal in my mind and it wasn't completed. So I felt, I felt like I needed to get back in, do what I, which I could have done and still can. But anyway, I felt a sense of peace when I left, like I felt so liberated when I left, like I can't really put it into words. It, a weight lifting off my shoulders. Like I felt lighter. I, I smiled. I was like cry, laughing through my tears in the car when I got in my car because I was confused <laughs> at why I was like so happy about this. But I mean, now looking back, I see that I was led to something else and that's why you know, that's, it was just the, what needed to happen for me at that point in time. I realized that yeah. maybe I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Like I really resonated with, um, you, when you talked about, you know, your family would have approved of you being an engineer and, you know, having that security was really great. And, you know, I felt like that connection with people and I was a CNA before, so it kind of made sense like to further myself in that way. Um, but once I was in it, I realized it was not really what my heart and soul like lit up for. Um, a lot of the 
connection that I had when I was a CNA was taken out of it. It was a lot more paperwork and med pushes and like mm. charting and things like that. Um, I really couldn't spend time with the patients like I would have wanted to. And that's actually what inspired me to move forward with it because I love that part of it. So shortly after that, I was still in school trying to figure things out, even though I wasn't in nursing school anymore. I was still taking other classes just to get a degree. And my husband and I decided we wanted to start our family. And so we did. And it didn't take very long. Um, my grandmother passed away. And then a, a few months afterwards, I found out I was pregnant. And we had a baby boy. And he changed my life. And I feel like I'm kind of rambling on. I'm taking longer than I would have liked, but no, it's great. Yeah. I know. <laughs> There's a lot I could say about my life. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, it so, gave me chills uh, when you were saying that part about nursing school, like laughing through the tears when it was over. That was exact like I went through the same yeah. thing leaving engineering school. I was like it was a hard decision and I was very attached to it. But once I did, it was like you said, like a weight lifted off to be like, it's like, this might feel scary, but I feel more aligned with my path. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, at the time I didn't realize why I felt the way I felt, but then once I had the space away from actually being in nursing school and meeting all these goals that I had within just the classes and the studying and memorizing things, once I stepped back from that far enough to really look at um, how it made me feel and how the work environment made me feel and um, the direction my life was now taking. Cause it's kind of like I got halfway through nursing school. Cause it's only a two year course that I was in. I was halfway done. You know, I, I got right. to that point and it was like the universe. It felt like the universe forced me to stop and say, Hey girl, are you sure about this? And right. that's what I did. I looked at everything and really thought about where I wanted to go, where we wanted to go. And we just did what felt right. I guess we were, we followed our heart, me and my husband with that. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, going into being a single income family and homeschooling on top of that, like if you would have asked me when I was in nursing school, if this would be my life, I would have been like, no, no, I'm not even going to be in North Carolina. Like I'm going to be traveling with my job, making money, like probably not going to have kids yet. Definitely not this homeschooling, long-haired, gardening, barefoot, hippie mom. You know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. did not, that was not me. Yeah. Yep. Well, so how did that kind of, like, I have so many questions, even though like I know you, but I still have questions. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I've always regarded you as this person that has, you have such wisdom and you're so connected I guess so there's a lot of different ways to put that like to the universe or to source or some people say God whatever but I've always seen you as like you just impress me with how connected you are to these things what is like how is that just innate in you do you have a system uh like or a thing that keeps mm -hmm. you connected well my story with like faith and spirituality from the beginning is very similar to yours. I was raised in a Christian background, like Southern Baptist, you know, my, my church was like five minutes away. 
and I went to youth group and things like that. And I was baptized, all that stuff. And then when I got older and like realized that that's not the way everyone, I mean, I knew that wasn't the way everyone thought, but I guess I didn't realize how vast the world is and all the ideas and all the different beliefs and faiths that you can have and still be a good person. Like you don't have to label yourself as anything to be good and kind and to make a difference. Like it, it really is not, it doesn't matter that much. The, what matters to right. me is like <clears throat> interactions on the small human to human scale. Like really that's what matters and how you treat yourself too. So anyway, I decided that I was not going to identify as Christian anymore, I guess. Um, I don't really know when that was, but, um, and like, like you, I'm not trying to like discount any religion or anything like that. There's a lot of good things that I learned from the community and just from the lessons in general and being good to others and selfless and, you know, all those things. But now I definitely consider myself more spiritual and um, grounded. And I have this, I've always had this connection with nature. Um, mm. That's a big part of what keeps me grounded. And gardening really helps me stay connected with that. Just, you know, down to like the cycle of life and all that. Like I could talk yes. forever about yeah. and things like that. That's one thing that I guess keeps me grounded and connected is my connection with the earth and um, the cycles it goes through, including the moon, which I'm sure you could talk on. You yeah. said my chart was like yeah. <laughs> so that maybe that's yeah, so, part of it I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah you're a cancer ascendant which cancer is ruled by the moon and so um that basically so for a lot of other reasons too like there are a lot of factors that affect so, the strength of a planet but I have this I, I know just enough about astrology to be dangerous I should preface yeah. this, what I'm about to say with that, that I could be missing some pieces, but from my limited understanding and from my fancy software that I have, um, it spits out and <laughs> told me that your moon is your strongest planet. But I do know that one of the like large factors affecting that is that it's the ruling planet of your first house and your first house. Okay. So your ascendant and your first house are the same thing. Like the first house is like the what was rising on the eastern sky that's why it's called your ascendant um and then the houses mm -hmm. are like going across the sky from there di divided up there's 12 of them and each house represents something your first house represents like yourself and your body um like kind of like your personality so i know in western astrology it's often your sun sign that represents that but and and some people like the more you get into western astrology you start to learn your moon sign and your ascendant those are kind of like the next two most important regarded by western astrology as well but in vedic astrology it's more like your ascendant then your moon then your sun and then the rest of them after that in order of importance or the ascendant and moon are sometimes like tied some people view them as tied but um so that makes you if your first house is ruled by the moon and then moon is also very important. Um, I just find that interesting. So I should also say the moon represents um, the mind and emotions. Um, and then the sun is more like 
in western astrology it's regarded as like your ego um or the self mm, that you I put out to that. the world rather than your like inner self um and in vedic astrology it's often like your your soul or your vitality or um it said it shines a spotlight on that area in your life wherever the sun is placed in your chart but so then you also have your moon so your moon your which is your first house ruler is in your fifth house which the fifth house is the two biggest keywords i think of when i think fifth house are children and creativity um and kind of, so like kind of your biggest life life's works of creativity like publishing a book or some, you know big things like that um to Whereas me it kind of it kind of feels house. like a legacy like what you would leave behind too yes totally yeah the third house is like smaller things like that like public you know if you like this podcast would be like a third house endeavor um but yeah so like children are kind of and i've been doing this chakra series in my like regular yoga teaching and i've been repeating myself in there that like with the second chakra, um, which is like your sacral chakra, it's uh, in your pelvis region and it's like responsible for your creativity and also sexuality because in the yoga tradition philosophy, um, having children, creating life is seen as like the highest expression of creativity. So I don't wow. know. So I see these things that you're saying, like I totally see it in your chart. Um, yeah you're like okay so i That's still so have like in my house <laughs> above my kitchen sink i have all these dried herbs that you've given me because i'm like i'm oh some of them i use to season food and then others i'm like I, like i have this bundle of rosemary i'm like i'm gonna make a sage bundle with that but i haven't yet or like not a sage bundle like a smudge yeah. stick right yeah um i want to so get some white like, sage seeds just so i can make sage bundles nice yeah, so your garden is like oh, yeah. amazing and well established. Aww. How did you get like where did that start for you? Oh, don't even get me started. How long do we have? <laughs> as I long as you, so I mean, I'm good. This. I'm not doing anything for like hours. <laughs> so I mean I have stuff to do, but oh, no, today's super do flexible for me. So <laughs> whoever listens to this podcast, they're gonna be like pause <laughs> at this part <laughs> oh it's gonna get long it could I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to not ramble on forever no it's cool That's um okay for. let's start off with the basics so my garden is I would say roughly a thousand square feet of growing space um I've been gardening like I don't know 10 years or something like that maybe since I've, yeah, probably like 10 years I've been gardening and I just learned more every year. And within the past few years, I have learned about no-till gardening, which is what we now use. We started off with raised beds and then have progressed over to this style. And basically it's like the easiest and the best for my plants that I've ever used we we've done tilling before where you know you turn the soil over and then the raised beds where you kind of build on top of the soil and bring in compost and other things 
to plant. And then this method is just, you kind of, you really take care of the soil environment and the soil health is a really big thing. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a world of its own underground. Um, there's so much life and it really, if that's healthy, your plants are going to show that. And, um, basically what it is, is you just, you cover the ground with cardboard. If you're starting fresh, just right on top of the grass. And then you can add a couple inches of like compost or organic matter, whether you make your own or purchase it, we've done both. And you put that on top and then you layer it with wood chips finally to help it stay moist underneath and just to cover the soil. So it, it doesn't get reseeded easily. There's less weeds, like the cardboard suppresses the weeds. And then you just can continue to layer like that every year to feed the soil. And, um, okay. we don't spray yeah, any so chemicals or anything like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can, if there's weeds, but really you can just layer compost and, uh, wood chips because the, the weeds are getting like where this is my third year and my first established no-till spot. And there are hardly any weeds on the areas that have not been reseeded because there's wood chips on top. Like now we have chickens and they've gone in and scratched up some of the spots where there, so there's not wood chips there. So it has been reseeded with weed seed, if that makes sense. Um, that's the only reason why if the chickens hadn't disturbed the area, it would be weed free just as the other spots are is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been really yeah. the best method for me so far go no-till gardening all the way and there's a lot of people like um josh i can't remember his last name he he was the volunteer at raleigh city farm um he does no-till too i've learned a lot from him charles dowding i've learned a lot from him he's in the uk um he's like i think he's the one that first discovered no-till maybe um he's highly knowledgeable like i learned so much from him and um yeah. So I just try to, I don't really talk to people about it, but I do watch YouTube videos just to try and learn more to more effectively and efficiently grow my own food. Cause going all the way back to, you know, when I got kicked out of nursing school and I evaluated how I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel free. That was one of the, the feelings that I desired to feel throughout my life. And food security is a, is something that helps me feel free. And it also keeps me grounded and connected and outside with my kids. My kids are getting exposure to all this now. I don't remember having this when I was younger. Like my grandfather was a commercial tobacco farmer and my mom had like her flower beds and stuff. So I had a little exposure. My grandfather also had a garden, but nothing like what my kids are getting, you know, where my daughter can walk through and just pick a kale leaf off and shove it in her mouth, like in her diaper, you know, as a snack. Yeah. It just, it fills me up in so many ways. I don't even know if I answered your question, but I'm going to stop there. (laughs) Well, it's great. I love it because I'm like listening to that part. I'm like, there's so much wisdom in that. Um, I was actually hoping we would talk about some of that um, with like gardening. So from a, like dimensions of wellness standpoint, um, you just hit like a lot of different things. So there's science in behind like the soil and how that works and all these like um, minerals and compounds and things that lead to soil health. And I'm sure you could elaborate more on that. I'm sure you know way more about it than I do. But then there's like also, so I learned that there's like even digging your hands in the dirt, like good 
healthy dirt. There's probiotics and it's good for you. And getting the vitamin D from being in the sun, your kids get to learn from it. Um, there's just so many reasons that in a purely scientific standpoint that gardening is like such a good activity for your mental health and just your overall wellness. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's, uh, so I, I imagine, I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. You like, um, okay. Oh, I, I didn't know if there was like a lag. So I was waiting for you to Okay. Well, what I was going to say is, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. <laughs> I wish I was there too. <laughs> but, uh, so you what I was going to say is I'm very passionate <laughs> about gardening and, uh, I want other people to experience it and to, to know it, like I know it and feel the connection and just see the process from seed to table. Like it is just so wholesome to me to serve my family food that we grow. And it just, it fills me up. It's so good for me. It's better for the environment because the fuel is not being used to bring, you know, produce from other parts of the world. And we're learning about eating seasonally and all this. So one of the things that I'm doing to try to make a difference and I guess leave my legacy a, a little bit is I, in my business, Twig and Bloom Goods, I try to send seeds with every order. And, you know, some people yes, might I have some. see it and throw it away or see it and pass it on. I hope um, they might not care about gardening. But my thought behind that is if one person gets excited about it or a gardener that already gardens and I share with them a new variety or spark something within someone and so that they feel the things that I feel and are rewarded and filled up the way that I am. Like my job is done. You know, I passed it on. Like maybe a child will see that and experience that and learn from it. And that will be an inspiration to them in some way. Um, so that's my little bit that I can do right here from home while I'm raising my babies and staying here and meeting their needs every day. That's a way that I can impact other families and other lives. Um, at least that's my hope, you know. That's amazing. And I love, I've gotten um, seeds from you before. I didn't even like put the pieces together that that's behind it. That's amazing. I love it. But then also yeah. so you talked about like the food insecurity piece and that's huge. So I've thought before, like we're headed to this place in the world now that's kind of disheartening to me a little bit because I'm like, this scarcity of resources thing is kind of like um, manufactured. Like we have enough food to go around. There's enough food. Um, there's huge amounts of food waste in the United States and huge amounts of food deserts and food insecure people. Um, and so that's like huge to get heavy for a moment. Um, but then I've also thought like related to that, when you are spending your time producing your food and worrying about what you're going to eat next instead of having just going and buying like already prepared food whether it be from a restaurant or from uh like you know processed food uh you don't have time for existential crisis when you're spending that much time on like kind of the basics you know or at least as much time mm -hmm. yeah um, so that's something i've been thinking about recently that like people um that connection with the earth and with the food 
is like, I don't know, that's like the life stuff. That's what it's about, you know, but so many of us as Americans in or like people in very developed countries were like removed from that. We're removed from our food, from where it comes from, you know, it just... It's easy to do. It's really easy to get swept up and caught up in everything. I mean, alone, just like the internet alone has like changed the way we do life. You know what I mean? Like we didn't used to have these smartphones in our pocket and I never knew each time I got an email before, like what even is an email in middle school for me? Right. I mean, you know what they are, but it's also new. And now look at us, you know, we're, you're in Asheville and here I am in Harnett County and we're like on a podcast. What, what is this? It's easy to get swept up in all of it, you know? So I totally get it. Um, And especially with how fast things are nowadays, you have to be fast to keep up. And that includes like working. Like I talked to so many moms who have to work just to take care of their bills and they want to stay home. And I'm like so blessed and lucky that I am and privileged that I'm able to do this. And I really own that um, because it's true. Like, and things just worked out for me and that's a completely other different topic, but I'm just trying to give back as much as I can from the position that I'm in, um, in whatever way that may be. But yeah, um, growing my own food keeps me motivated and connected and I do plant sales because just, you know, I'm like, if you can't start from seed here, have this, have this plant, maybe you can make it live. And if not, like if I have extra tomatoes, I'll give it to you. You know, I'm trying to share the abundance and have that abundance mindset as well, because you know, sometimes as a single income family, when you are the one generating your own income as a small business owner, it can get stressful financially, you know, but having gardening again is like another layer of security. It helps you uh, feel like, well, we have something, we know how to grow something like we have that. Yeah. So is that like, I'm sure it's like a creative outlet for you as well. Does it, do you find that that helps, um, with your, with your dye making and stuff? Like, does that, do the two influence each other? Not dye making, but dyeing. Yeah. Um, well you mentioned dye making and that's something I'm really interested in. I have all these ideas and it's hard. I can't do them all. So I have to, um, hone in on, which ones I'm going to do now. And with kids, you know, it's unpredictable a lot. So Mm. I don't really get all the time in the world to explore these things, but I'm very interested in making my own dyes, very interested in natural dyeing. My friend gave me a book uh, for one of my birthdays just to inspire me to do that. And I'm like tingling with excitement to get into it. Um, and there's so much more to learn within that. What was your question? <laughs> I got lost in, in excitement. Um, do no, that's super cool. I didn't know you were doing that. Of course you are though. Well, I'm not yet, but I, I'm, I'm preparing. Will, yes. Oh, the creativity. That's um, what you asked about. Yeah. Yeah. Between those two things. And the, if they're connected I'm in sure my they brain, do. they feed yeah. me the same. So like I can, I can feed my soul by gardening and I can feed my soul by dying uh, clothes or, you know, doing a custom for someone or being creative in that way, or even like collaborating with another artist, like, um, someone reached out to me, someone that I really admire reached out to me about a collaboration she wants to do. And it got me so excited and like revved me up to get out in the studio and 
make something to send to her so we can like see this thing come alive. Stuff like that inspires me. So yes, the garden is creative. Like in my brain, it's in the same area, I guess. It lights me up in that, in the same area. Um, I can be creative with it, but it's also hard work. So sometimes um, I won't do it (laughs) just because it's, it's hard. Uh, But like in life, sometimes I won't do something just because it's hard, but gardening keeps me motivated enough because I can be creative within it. And it does provide my family with food and it nourishes my soul and gets me outside. Like it, it, there's enough motivation just naturally for me to go to that. And that overrides the work that I have to put in. And ultimately I end up loving working. I mean, I do. That's what I do. I love, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, yeah, that's a lot. That's huge. Like I know you refer to yourself as like a stay at home mom, but I'm like, in some ways you're like working all the time between the garden and running a small business. And like, I totally feel you last night. I stayed up until I, this is going to sound weird, but I stayed up until 10, which is late for me working on payroll and stuff (laughs) for Scott's business. So I'm like, I, that is work Mm. too. Like, you know, it is yeah. a, a job in itself. Yeah. Being the, it the totally HR is, department, yeah. the, the marketing department, the, you know, then also it is. Yeah. All that for a small business. Um, I can be a, a very unorganized person. And sometimes I wish I was more organized just because I feel like I would feel more put together. But then I also wonder if I was more organized would I be open to doing all the things and juggling all the things like I do, like, you know, the office manager, the garden, the kids, the, the creative business, the relationships. Um, sometimes I wonder how it would be different in other ways if it was different in the way that I wanted it to be different. You know what I mean? Totally. So I just try to, uh, try to balance everything and just weave each of my passions in and out of my life to where I'm fed with the garden and spending time with my kids and teaching them and seeing their eyes light up when they learn something new and being here for all the firsts, which is also wonderful. And then also like the things that are more wearing on me, like the paperwork and doing your own taxes and insurance and finding Mm. the best rate. And you're on hold with the IRS for, you know, three hours. So it's like a dance for me. Yeah. Totally. I love that because that's what I'm like. I think about like entrepreneurship and stuff a lot. And I'm like, so this is a thought I've had. I'm like, are we moving as a society towards like more people being entrepreneurs than ever were before? Right. Um, which I is why yes. I talk about I think that a lot frequently, of kids... like with this podcast, why I want to bring it in a mm-hmm. lot because I'm like, with social media and everything, it's like we're existing in this time where it's more possible to be an entrepreneur in a way that it wasn't before. Like totally. we don't like it used to be you go get a job with a company and you stay with that company for 30 years and you're loyal to them. So they give you a lot in return for that. And now it's like I remember when I was in engineering school, it like IBM used to be like the one that everybody wants to go work for. And now it's not even that way mm-hmm. because people leave IBM. People don't stay there for their whole career anymore. 
Um, so just went off on that tangent, yeah. but I'm honestly, like, no, yeah, I would love to see it go back to that. Like, I would honestly love it if we were like a barter and trade type system that, I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. that it, that could work because we are so technologically advanced now. I don't know that right. it would fit with how things are. I think we could, we could have a balance, a more healthy balance, maybe, um, of where we support each other in our smaller communities and individuals on an individual level instead of these big corporations. And I feel like a lot of people are waking up to that um, and how much of a difference that makes. So I feel like maybe the challenge is still there for the people coming up now to start your own business and find your niche and really market yourself and all those things. But I also feel like there might be a little more encouragement that it's possible just because of you know the ones that have blazed that trail before them and the fact that we are getting what I see is we're getting back to uh, supporting small and local, which is really important. Yeah, I'm glad you see that um, in Harney County because so like in Asheville, it's very like barter and trade. Like I trade house cleaning for massage therapy. Um, it's just common around here. Um, and a lot of people do it. And I just, I always, recognize that we're kind of in a bubble and it's not like this in a lot of places. Yeah. So I'm glad you're seeing that. Yeah. There. Totally. Maybe not, maybe not as much um, because it happens all the time in Asheville, but I mean, people I know, like I've, I've done lots of trades and stuff before, whether it's for something or a service, um, you know, so it definitely happens. And I feel like it's happening more. I, I can't remember what I saw something recently about, um, entrepreneurs, like the kids or kids, I say kids, gosh, I'm so old, right? (laughs) 15 to 25 (laughs) year olds, they want to be entrepreneurs. Like that's their, that's what they're like. They're starting off on their life path headed towards that, you know? And I had to like do a big scramble, swirl around, turn around, pause and think about it before I got here. And some of the kids are taken off right towards that. So they're going to be you know, further ahead, which is great. Like if they can, if they can make it work for themselves. I remember back when I was at Wake Tech, I was in a business class and the like opening, the opening thing, the introduction for that class, the professor is up at the front and he says, raise your hand if you have a job and, you know, just about everyone in the class raised their hand. And then he said, okay, leave your hand up if you think you are paid your worth and everyone's hand went down. Like nobody, nobody was like, yeah, I get paid when I'm worth (laughs) totally. We're all in college. You know, obviously we're not quite there yet, but his point in saying that was you won't feel you are getting paid what you're worth unless you own your own business. And even then it will take years. And that's even if then, you know, but that is like the way to get paid what you're worth. And I think a lot of that doesn't necessarily come from, you know, you're loaded because let's be honest, we all can't be loaded. (laughs) We can all be comfortable, I think, and all be, uh, have our bills paid. I feel like that's possible. But um, I think a lot of it comes from the freedom and flexibility of being able to run your life the way you see fit and not have to answer to someone else that tells you what time to be where 
and how to dress and things you can't do or say, or even things like how they run their business that you don't agree with, especially if it comes to customer service or things like that. Um, so I think you're paid in ways that aren't money when you own your own business. And that's what makes it feel like you're being paid what you're worth. Cause you're able to meet your own needs within that a little more. So I understand why a lot of young people are in that direction, because that's a lot of the same reasons that we decided to do it. And it's a big risk, but the reward is so great too. Mm-hmm. If you can figure it out, you know? Yeah, totally. That's yeah. I love That's why I'm like glad to be picking your brain about that because the way you approach things, such wisdom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I stay in my own head a lot. I have a lot of conversations with myself. So I like mull things over and really decide how I want to feel, which we could go into my personality type a little bit there. I'm a feeler by nature. So I explore that a lot uh, within myself. Is that um, what? Yeah. Is that what the ENFP is like called? Is that the? They're called the campaigner. The campaigner is me. Like I'm like the oh, cheerleader, yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. me. <laughs> but yeah, there's the F, the F letter in the ENFP is feeling. And I'm very much a feeler. And uh, yeah, I've had to learn how to live productively as a feeler too. Cause sometimes it can feel like really big and overwhelming and maybe like gets in the way of rationality sometimes. So learning to um, be objective, I guess, and also allow myself to feel things and not judge myself for what I feel has been really big, um, big things that I've learned in my adult life that have really helped me feel more secure in myself. Because when you're a big feeler and you experience big emotions, I mean, just like a toddler, they throw tantrums and fits outwardly. And like, that's what it's like inside for me too. Like, I understand why you're on the floor screaming because I am too inside. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like when Ollie gets cranky and I'm like, he's just cranky because he's tired and I get the same way, you know, yeah, tired. I'm like a big baby too. Yeah, I know. And don't let my kids get hungry because they act just like me when that happens. And it is not good. <laughs> yeah, totally. So do you use um, I'm like trying to weave this together a little bit as a series, the Myers-Briggs know, in relation all over to the place, right? astrology thing. Do you use so I know you're familiar with your Myers-Briggs, but like how does that kind of um find its place in your life? Like, do you refer to it a lot? Is there another kind of system you use to sort of understand yourself or like, or is it just, Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. How's that work? Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I, well, I probably use it more than the average person. I'll say that. Um, for me, it helps put words to things that I experience. And that helps me understand myself and also like knowing myself in different ways, like knowing, you know, my hormones every month and how they fluctuate. Like all of those things really help me feel more comfortable and confident in my own body because it kind of gives a reason or, (laughs) you know, why things are the way they are for me. And then on top of that, what I can do to work with it and like really 
uh, build on my strengths and work on my weaknesses. Um, those things really help me a lot with, when it comes to Myers-Briggs. There's even a breakdown. I wish I had the exact website uh, for you, but there's a breakdown on like your development within the personality type as far as your age and how your brain develops and when you settle into things. I really should have <laughs> looked that up beforehand, but I can no, ask. Cool. I'm in an ENFP yeah. group on Facebook and that's oh, kind of wow. cool too, just to be amongst nice. other like-minded people. Yeah. yeah. It helps me feel seen, I guess, you know, for who I am and where my cognitive stack is in comparison with everyone else in society. Cause a lot of like a big misinterpretation for ENFPs can be that they are childish. I've heard that before. Um, or like simple minded, because they tend to be cheery and optimistic and like bubbly a little bit, which I don't know how other people see me. Everyone's perception is different, but I can see how I could come across like that to some people sometimes. Um, but really there's so much depth to us and it's, it's a hard, it's like a, not a war. I wouldn't really say it's, you know, there's a contrast because there's the childlike wonder that I experience when, you know, I see a seed sprout mm. and grow. Like I've seen it so many times before, but the wonder and the magic is still there for me. Um, and I can really, that's another reason why I love being at home with my kids because I can like, <laughs> you know, experience things like that with them. And it's so magical and wonderful. But at the same time, there's like a lot of, analysis maybe is not the right word, but like they mull things over ENFPs in their head and come to a place of knowing themselves and can read a room. And, you know, there's the intuitive piece to that too. So they can be perceived as childish, but really it's like a childlike wonder balanced with um, intellect and intuition and other things like that together. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Well, so I just think it's great to have a framework to – that's why I like comparing the Myers-Briggs and astrology because it's such a perfect – like what you described is how I approach astrology. I know some people approach it more of like a divination aspect, and maybe I'll get there as I learn more, like predicting the future. But I just really like to take the birth chart and look at things like, so how does this resonate with you, this – um thing like so we talked about um what was it like yesterday I don't know my days blend together um that you have your moon is in Scorpio which so for me the all of the there's all these symbols in astrology it's like the planets are symbols the signs are symbols the houses are symbols and you just kind of look at how they all work together and so the moon is a symbol for your mind and emotions and Scorpio is a symbol for like the depths of the psyche, you know? So it Ooh. actually helps to have some background <laughs> in Western astrology because some of the things that you think of with Western astrology, like people make these like memes of the signs, you know, and it's like, that's actually helped me yeah. learn it more because they kind of still apply. Like people think of Scorpios as like goths or something. You know what I mean? That's just like mm -hmm. a popular meme mm -hmm. related to Scorpio. But so when you put okay. the moon there, to get put so like your mind and emotions with this like 
getting into the depths of things, but then you also have Mars there and Mars brings this like fiery passion. It's the warrior. That's what it's symbolized by. I don't know. It's just funny that like the kind of the things you just described, I'm like, I can pick out things in your birth chart that kind of go along well with what you were saying. And I think it's like, you know, it's not for everybody. Not everybody cares about studying astrology, but it's like you have the Myers-Briggs as a framework and I have astrology as a framework that serves the same purpose in my life, kind of, you know? Like, yeah, totally. I totally get that. You can take from it yeah. what you need and then leave the rest. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a tool to know yourself better and to grow yourself uh, really and to feel seen and understood in certain ways. Maybe not always, but really like no one is a cookie cutter person. You know, no one's going to be exactly right. everything that anything mm-hmm. says they are, if that <laughs> makes any kind of sense. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just. Yeah both are a really good tool and I'm glad to be learning things from you. Like I feel, you know, all my life I was told I was a Capricorn or, you know, astrology says I'm a Capricorn and now I'm learning all these new things, which is really exciting for me. And in my mind is just more opportunity for growth and understanding. So you actually, that's the thing with Vedic astrology. So Western astrology, you focus on your sun sign and that's kind of the realm that most people stay in. I had just started to learn about the other signs and like run my chart and stuff before I found out about Vedic astrology and made the switch, you know, because I'm like, as a yoga teacher, yoga has this system of astrology. I'm like, I feel like if I'm going to get really into learning astrology, I should learn the system that's already part of a system. Anyway, that's just, yeah, I I made that decision to switch, but. Yeah, I like it because it focus so it has this really focus like from the moment you kind of enter learning about Vedic astrology, it's always like you have all of the signs somewhere in your chart. All of the planets mm-hmm. are somewhere in your chart. And how that expresses like so everybody has all of these qualities and it's like some of them are more dominant than others, some of them affect like more places in your life so I actually just pulled it up and looked um and so your son is in Sagittarius which is like I guess been a weird thing for you to like make that switch or think about it in a different way from like Capricorn to Sagittarius but the thing is is like there's not even I don't know um I'm not trying to tell you like you're a Sagittarius now and (laughs) take that and just be a Sagittarius you know um you actually Capricorn is in your seventh house, which is the house of relationships. Um, And you have Venus there and Rahu, which is like Venus is represents kind of like love and art and creative expression and like luxury, the finer things. Right. And Rahu, I could get into so much about Rahu. It's like, wild. it's a, it's a shadow planet, meaning it's like not, actually a planet but it's kind of a point on the um on the cycle where eclipses happen and but what it represents so i like to understand these things from like a astronomical perspective too but the symbol that it represents is like 
do it. Yeah. So this is a little bit like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to make it too much a live reading because readings can be like ultra personal. It might be stuff you don't want to get into publicly, but this like, is a little bit kind of what happens. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in an astrology <laughs> reading, it's like we just talk about your planets, your signs, where they are and, and how that resonates with your story and where you've been, where you're going, you know? Um, yeah. So how it's all connected. Like, I love that. It's, yeah. Sometimes called forward moving karma, which, or like, um, your life's work, what the thing that you have to like, that you're here to do in this lifetime, if you subscribe to the idea mm -hmm. of, you know, like past lives and your karma with you in this lifetime, that's what Rahu is like. So it's like, it makes sense that you would be a stay at home mom. I feel like who has all these creative endeavors, Yeah, but that's where Capricorn. So all that was to say is like, that's where Capricorn is for you. And that's a very like forefront piece of your life. So it's, it's, I'm not telling you to like throw Capricorn out the window. You can still identify with that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. Yeah. I'm totally open to, uh, you know, making the switch. I tried actually to consciously not compare whenever you told me like, this is going to be something new. Usually it's a sign off. Um, I was open yeah. to just take from it what worked for me and I'm still learning. I'm still very new and I'm very appreciative to have your guidance because, uh, you know, you've, you've spent a lot of time studying it and I love to learn new things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially well, when it can same. help me in my I life. I learn gardening oh. stuff from you all the time. Yeah. Shout oh, out that's to the so great. That's what garden it's about. gang. If anybody Woo -woo. wants to come learn more about gardening and have a community with yeah, us, that's, that's that another group you run. Yeah. Yeah, that's another little token of just what I am trying to offer in building community and helping to inspire other people to just give it a try. And, you know, I, I, I don't consider myself, you know, a wonderful professional, whatever you want to call it, gardener. I'm, I'm always learning. There's so much to be learned, but if you try it and fail, just try again. You know, if you don't love it, that's right. cool. I understand it's not for everybody, but um, I feel like there's yeah. a lot of people out there who haven't experienced it yet. That would really benefit in a lot of ways if they just gave it a shot. So I'm here to provide support <laughs> for those. Yeah. Well, it's great. And because so it's like, a, it's a community. It's a place people come together and they're like, look at what I'm growing or to ask questions. It's great. I love it. I love that framework. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same here. Same here. I think the world needs more of that. Yeah. So for, we're like kind of coming up on an hour and okay. so last little topic can you tell us more about Twig and Bloom? And so whatever you want to say, if you want to go into like how the brand evolved or what you do now or anything you want to say about it, entrepreneurship piece, creativity piece. Okay. Um, let's see. There's a lot I can say. It's It's been such a, a journey and it, it's going to continue, but it started off as something different. Um, I was a CNA when I started it and it just started with making, um, jewelry like hemp necklaces and bracelets and stuff like that. I'd give them away to friends and family. 
for holidays and birthdays and things like that. And everyone would always say like, Oh, thanks. You know, and they acted like they liked them. And I'm like, do you really like it? You know, like, are you just saying that? Cause you, <laughs> I made it, you know, what is this really even? And I would get encouragement. Like, no, really, this is like super cool. You could sell these. And I'm like, no, maybe, I don't know. I don't really do it for that. I do it just for people I care about close people eventually maybe. So I started looking around and just exploring different ideas. Cause I was a CNA at the time, always looking for like a side hustle, you know, to make some extra money. Mm-hmm. So I discovered Etsy and opened up a shop and I sold like this anchor. It was like an anchor charm on a hemp necklace that I made with like white and blue hemp basic design, you know, but somebody bought it. And I was like, what? And this person didn't know me. They're from a different state. Like it just blew my mind. I'm like feeling all these things about it. Like so excited and lit up like, oh my gosh, this could actually happen. <laughs> I could do this. This could really work. And I just rolled with it. There have been times in my life, like nursing school, I didn't really um, list things. I never actually shut it down, but I just wouldn't list things as much, wouldn't advertise as much. It was called like Jassafras hemp before and it evolved. Um, I dabbled in tie dye and loved that. And the same thing, I started like making it for friends and family. And then eventually someone was like, Hey, you can sell that too. I was like, Hey, you're right. Let me try it. And I did it. And it's just turned into this creative outlet, um, an extension of myself in so many ways. I can't even begin to explain. Um, I try to keep it genuine and authentic. And it's like a place where I can just let all my ideas run wild and share it with others. And I'm so, so lucky that people, like people actually, not only do they like it, but they spend their hard-earned money on it. And they wear it often, like it just, it, it enhances my life so much. Just knowing that it's just made my life better. And eventually I made enough money that I was able to renovate a barn that was a music studio for my husband's band. We renovated it and made it into a studio for me. So my daughter could have a room in our house because it was full of stuff for my business. So I have my own space now. And it's just like, I don't know, just to look back and reflect on that throughout the years where it's gotten to today, just like, it's almost like I picked something and I stuck with it because it felt good to me and um, other people responded in a way that I could keep it always at a level that I could handle and still handle the other things in my life that really needed my attention. It was flexible enough for me that I could pause it when I needed to throughout a pregnancy or, you know, a a trauma or like a, a death in the family and pick back up. And it's also something that I can grow within and learn new things. And it's so much is so much for me and it's I'm sure it's going to be even more different later on down the road you know it's always changing and a lot of that there's a lot of challenges that arise within 
the creative business too. Cause you know, I'm not, I'm not always inspired to be creative in that way. Like sometimes I'm inspired to be creative in the kitchen or uh, creative with the homeschool lesson or creative in the garden. And those things take my attention and time, but I always seem to come back to, to that. Like it's never completely left my life. It's something, it's a piece of me and it's something that I've just continued to go. And unless I have orders, sometimes I'll stop and not do it for a little while and take a break from it, take some space. And then I'll come back stronger. Usually is what I've seen to be the pattern. Yeah, totally. You just said so many things that are like so much wisdom in all the stuff you just said. Like from going from kind of like that imposter syndrome about the business and then you got some results that reinforce like maybe this can happen, maybe this can exist. And then so that is a huge piece in entrepreneurship that I I kind of say or like even mindset work, that whole imposter syndrome thing and how to like overcome that is totally by just like putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and getting results, you know, and then that kind of reinforces the, that you can do it. And then, yeah, the creative piece. I've always wondered some, I'm like, you know, if your kids are getting a little older, I've been kind of watching, like, is she gonna, you know, make this twig and bloom thing like boom you know you could make it like but that oh, would take man. some of the creativity out of it right you know like if you it would make well, it more that's, like that's a production thing yeah than a creative thing yeah I've, I've thought about it my husband has always been like like we'll drive we'll be driving around and we'll drive by like an empty storefront and he's like twig and bloom good babe twig and bloom right there i'm saying you can do it like right there you could have a sink in the back you could have the kids set up you know tv like homeschool lesson set up that people can come in and like shop and you can still make stuff right there and i'm like oh my gosh that's such a dream it's such a dream it really is and i would love to do something like that one day you know maybe not mm. like i'm not saying that's a goal of mine to have a storefront but something like that the idea of that is really exciting to think about for me. But also, you know, things change when things change. Like you can't just have one piece change mm. and then everything else stay the same. So I'm kind of right now um, in life, I have like just priorities centered around a lot of it's my kids. Um, like I have a daughter that's two. That's a, it's a good age. It's such a cute age. And she's learning so much and I want to be there for all of it. And my son is six. He's going to be going into like second grade here soon. And wow. he's about to be seven. It's just, I don't know. I, I try to be really present with them as much as possible. Like that's my focus. And when I feel like they need me, I want to be there for them. And that's not to say that there's not enough room to like expand and grow and like really blow up twig and bloom goods. But, um, I also think about what you said, the, the special attention to the custom pieces would be taken away a little bit and kind of like what I feel like is the magic of it in some ways yeah. could be taken away. If I yeah. were to like mass produce a whole bunch of stuff, which is possible, but again, what sometimes I'll be walking around through 
Walmart or Target or whatever, and I'll see a rack of like mm-hmm. tie dye sweaters. And you know, some of them are like mm-hmm. a good color combination. Some mm-hmm. of them might not be, but they're so much less expensive. I kind of wonder, like, why would people spend more for something that's really similar to that? Like, why would people spend more money with me for something that looks really similar to what they could get here? And, you know, yes, I can do more intricate designs than what Walmart or Target sells. Um, But for me, it comes down, again, to the, the connection with individuals and the conversations that I have with people and the people that I get to know and like learning about their life. And the fact that I really feel what I do is art in a lot of ways. And I don't know, I don't want to sound like stuck up or whatever, but um, cause I definitely don't feel like I'm above anyone or anything or like the best at anything that I do. Like I'm very much a student of life and all my crafts and passions. Mm-hmm. And I will always be, and I'm very humbled by them often, but, um, I don't know. It's just really special to me. And I feel like the, a lot of it would get taken away if I did mass produce certain things. Um, but I definitely could, like, I haven't worked where there's a lot more time I could be spending on it. And I get in flows where I'll crank out a ton and then sometimes where I don't really do that much and it's not necessarily best for business, but it's how it flows with me and the other things that I juggle right now anyway. Well, that's why I wanted to even talk to you about all this because I'm like, there's so much wisdom in the way you kind of structure your life. Like you said earlier, like some people aspire to be loaded, but not all of us can be loaded and there's just wisdom and accepting that there's other things to aspire to, right? Like you can have this business model and there's always trade-offs. You could choose one business model that's more like mass produce and uh, turn out a lot high volume, or there's this other business model that's like smaller, but you can, you sell value that way. You sell a lot more value than just items, you know? It's a trade-off, but... Yeah, it really is. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like there have been times where I just put some shirts in together and it's not really like, this is how I'm going to fold it particularly like this. It's for this person. And it's special for this reason. I'm going to use these colors. Like sometimes I just like let my creativity spill out of my brain onto whatever. And it's not so much like special and thought out and whatever. And sometimes I might hate it. And sometimes I might not. Sometimes people love the things that I hate, which blows my mind and always keeps me learning because, you know, it's like, just put it out there. You might not love it, but someone else might. But each, each sale that I make, I don't know, it's, there's a lot that goes into it for me. A lot that's like turning around in my brain all the time, even now talking to you about it, because I'm thinking about it now in ways that I haven't in a while, I guess, cause I've been on a break from it really since like the holidays and stuff, but it's got me, it's got my wheels turning. That's good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. I've got some inspiration written down too. My mom. Um, it's funny how I like things to happen organically too. A lot of times. 
So like this girl reached out to me about a collaboration that really got me motivated and excited and inspired to get out there and do something. And my mom recently came to me like, Hey, I had a dream. Like, this is weird. Cause this doesn't ever happen, but I had a dream about a shirt and I was like, I'm writing this down. And I wrote down like her vision and I got inspired about other things that I'm going to make. And this girl reaches out to me. So I kind of just like in my life, I sit back and try to take care of my responsibilities, like the day-to-day grind, you know, like dishes, laundry, kids, like, you know, they're here with me all day. They don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm it. I'm their caretaker. So there's a lot of things day to day that keep my time filled up in good ways. And then when inspiration hits or like someone approaches me with an opportunity to do something and I'm motivated by that, I run with it and that's when I make stuff happen. And that's when I really feel like in the flow of things when I'm there and so much time passes by, I can't even believe, you know, that happens a lot um, from things like are building it's building now. Like I feel it coming soon. It's going to be an explosion. (laughs) That's what's good about breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I can't wait to do it. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that said, thank you for being here to support my endeavors and my dreams, you know, taking your time to talk with me today. Absolutely. It's been such a treat. I feel honored and privileged yeah. that yeah. you even asked me to be a part of this. And I hope it wasn't too scattered. I'm sure I'll listen back and be like, wow. No. <laughs> You talked about a lot. We talked about so much. We meandered. Yeah. Which is great. That's what I was after. I love it. I I like when things develop organically like that. And then so I just want to say also for for listeners that in the background, you've been a huge sounding board for me. And that's why I'm glad you brought up kind of how your business developed because you helped me with some branding and stuff. I don't know. It's just good. I feel lucky to have somebody in my life I can bounce things off of other people. Totally. I I hope everybody listening has that, you know? Yeah, totally. I feel the same about you. I really appreciate your friendship and support throughout all my creative endeavors. And I'm so excited for you and what you're starting now and where you're going and how many people you're going to help and lives you're going to touch. It's just all good stuff, man. I love it. Good stuff. All the feels. Yes. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Have fun playing with the kiddos. I'm going to go get married this afternoon. Yes, girl. Mrs. Holbrook in the house. That's so exciting. Yeah, I know. Congratulations. I'm like, I'm saying it here now because I'm like, I've been putting, not putting my last name because I knew I was going to change it soon, but I'm going to put it. It'll be Rosemary Holbrook. Yes, that is so great. Wow. Funny story for listeners. Your soon-to-be today husband introduced me to my today husband. So yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) They're like besties, old school besties. Yes. Our our guys Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Which is great for me. I'm like they're they're peas in a pod, and then in some ways I feel like we're peas in a pod. It works out great. So Yes, it totally does. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you and to Scott. We love you both. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
Thanks for being here and take care. That's it for our interview today with Jess Olive, the owner of Twig and Bloom Goods. I will include all the links on how to find her and the amazing things she does in the show notes, as well as how to find me. As always, keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. We'll talk to you next time.